Lord Jesus, that's our prayer, that you would use what you say to us in Scripture this morning to help us see you better and follow you more closely. We pray this in your name. Amen. As I was listening to these wonderful students sing, I realized I failed to make one announcement at the beginning, and that was that next week will be our Worship Through Music week. There'll be an orchestra here, the choir, we're singing about angels and stuff like that, right? So I forgot to mention that. That's jet lag. So come here next week, and I will have recovered from jet lag by then. When our oldest daughter, Holly, was about three, we started trying to explain to her who Jesus is, and we didn't do a very good job of it. One day she asked us, where does Jesus live? And so we said, well, he's in heaven with God, but he also lives in our heart. Well, really, Jesus is everywhere. And she looked outside and saw that it was a foggy day, and she said, the fog is everywhere. Jesus is fog. So the pastor's daughter thought that Jesus was fog, not a good start. A few days later, we tried again, and this time in the course of conversation, we said, well, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. So she ran over to the light switch and flipped it on and said, hi, Jesus. So we were just getting nowhere with this. So finally, Holly decided to simplify things, and one day she came up to Christina and said, you're Jesus. So it was a high view of my wife's sanctification, but it made things simpler. The last thing Jesus said to us before he left was, go, make disciples of all nations. It was a short, simple mission statement. I think he was hoping that we'd actually do it. But like my wife and me trying to explain to Holly who Jesus is, I think sometimes we just don't know how to share our faith. And so we don't. Just the word evangelism creates anxiety and conjures up all kinds of negative images of, of, of pushy, obnoxious preachers running after people and yelling at them. You know, hey, have you heard the good news? You're going to hell. Yeah. Or we feel guilty, especially those of us who've heard one too many evangelism sermons about people who get on airplanes and bag souls right and left every time they do. And we can sometimes feel guilty if we're not doing that or if we're not that effective. I like what one woman from our church said to me a while back. She says that whenever she gets on a plane, she prays, Lord, help me share my faith. But if we're not going to talk about you, keep the person next to me quiet so I can read my book. I like that. For a whole lot of reasons, I think we just avoid sharing our faith. But that's tragic, in part because the people who lose is us. We miss out on the thrill of seeing God use us to change someone else's life, which is about the biggest thrill you're ever going to have in life. But it's also tragic because there are a lot of people out there who need to know about Jesus. Folks who are working 70 plus hours a week just to prove their worth. People who have everything they could possibly want but are bored with it and are wondering what the point of their existence is. People who feel unlovable. These people need to know that there is a God out there who loved them so much that he was willing to die for them. And that he can transform their lives. And that he invites us to partner with him in the adventure of redeeming this planet. And evangelism is simply telling people about that good news. In fact, that's what the word evangelism means. Good news. And if evangelism is hard for you, it might be because the news you're telling 
isn't good. I think the story we just read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch gives us some great tips for how we can share our faith in an authentic, natural, non-pushy kind of a way. For starters, I think this story shows us that in order to help others know Jesus, we need to serve them. In this story, Philip leaves a successful ministry in Samaria to serve this Ethiopian eunuch, and that gets his attention. And I think it's the same in our culture. You know, we used to think if we could just get our arguments right, well, then we could convince people of the intellectual truth about Jesus. Now, it is important to have a reason for why we believe, but you know what? In a postmodern world, that's not going to cut it anymore. People are suspicious of arguments. They're suspicious of words. They've heard it all before. They've seen all the spin control. The only thing that is going to get people's attention is if we serve them. During the Roman Empire, whenever there was a plague, everyone would flee the city, especially the doctors, because they were the ones who had the money to do it. The only people who would stay behind were the Christians, and they would care for the sick. And sometimes the Christians would get the plague and die, but they didn't care because they knew they were going to be raised from the dead like Jesus. And sometimes their nursing of the sick helped the sick get well. And people would ask, why are you doing this? These people aren't your relatives. You're not in business with them. Why are you doing this? And their answer was always because of Jesus. And that is one reason why Christianity grew faster than any other religion in all of history. 40% per decade for the first 300 years. Because Christians were willing to serve. That's why I think the workday at Stevenson is so important. Because it's as we serve that people are going to pay attention to Jesus. And I got to say, I got back and I saw the numbers. I am so proud of you as a congregation. Do you realize that so far almost a thousand of you have signed up for that workday? And you have contributed $111,000 to help us make a difference there. That is amazing. I am so proud of you guys. I'm just thrilled. Uh, one of my staff people said, though, at, at, right as I was coming in, you know all that happened when you were gone. <laughs> so I'm going to be out of the country more. <laughs> Do you know what that says to people in our culture when a church responds with that kind of enthusiasm to serve? Do you know what that says? It says that Jesus is real and that he cares and that he's caring through his people. And that is the only way, the only way, the only way Christianity is going to survive in postmodern America is if Christ's people serve. There is no other way. It's what made it catch on in the first century. It's what's going to keep it alive in the 21st century if we serve. The second way we introduce people to Jesus is we form a relationship with them. In this story, Philip gets in the carriage with this Ethiopian man. And goes on a journey with him. And I think that is a metaphor for what we do. We get in the carriage of people's lives and we go on a journey with them. We form a relationship. We don't do drive-by evangelism. We do it relationally. Now, that doesn't mean you have to know someone for five years before you can mention Jesus. It may only take five minutes. But it has to be relational. We serve. We build relationships. A third way we introduce people to Jesus is out of the regular stuff of their lives. In this story, the Ethiopian is reading Isaiah 53. It's a prophecy about Jesus, and in it, Jesus is described as being alone and having no descendants. 
which probably spoke to this man. As a eunuch, he understood what it meant to be alone and have no descendants. And what Philip does is to show him that Jesus understands that pain. That's the point of God becoming human. He understands everything we go through. Philip doesn't give him a lot of abstract theological arguments about the unmoved mover or something like that. No. He takes the stuff of this man's life, the stuff this man is going through, and he connects it to Jesus. I have a friend who kept noticing that there was this particular woman in the gym he goes to who always looked exhausted and sad every time she was there. So one day he said to her, you know what? I could be out of line, but you look like you're carrying a very heavy load. Are you okay? Well, she started talking. Turned out her husband has multiple sclerosis. She's working two jobs just to make ends meet. Can't pay the bills, has no support. So my friend just listened to her and he asked some questions. And at the end of the conversation, he said, I'll be praying for you. She said, thanks. Well, a few days later, he asked her again, how are things going? And he listened some more. And then after that, my friend and his wife started to serve this woman and her husband in just little ways. Sending a card, taking a dinner, doing an errand. A few weeks later, my friend asked if he could come over to her house and pray with her and her husband. And she said, sure, couldn't hurt. So he went over. And as they talked, he found out that this woman had never been in a church in her entire life, not once. Didn't even know who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were. Which is way more common in our culture today than you might think. So my friend started asking questions, telling stories about Jesus, talking about how Jesus had helped him in hard times before. And this woman and her husband got curious and they started going to church and they're asking a ton of questions and they're well on their way to knowing Jesus. My friend started with the stuff in her life. And by serving her and building a relationship was then able to eventually connect it to Jesus. And it didn't take him a ton of time to do it either, by the way. I mean, all told, he's probably spent 15 hours with this couple in the last three months. That's less than six minutes a day. As we get to know people, even if it's just for a few minutes, often they'll share something with us, some stress they're having, something they're hoping for, some problem they face. And that is a chance for us to say, I'm going to pray for you. Or you know what? Hey, can I tell you a story about how Jesus, knowing Jesus has helped me with something like that? A few minutes ago, I referred to the Great Commission, Jesus' command that we go and make disciples of all nations. The verb in that sentence is actually a participle and would be better translated, as you are going, make disciples of all nations. As you're going to work, as you're going into your neighborhood, as you're at your gym, as you're at the grocery store, as a regular part of your regular life, as you go, make disciples along the way. Evangelism isn't something we go and do and check it off. It's a lifestyle we live. Last Christmas, if you remember, I I showed you all the red Starbucks Christmas cups and told you that they made me happy because they show that Christmas is here. Well, one of our members, who's 84 years old, was in Starbucks a few days later, and she saw the red cup and she said out loud, oh, Christmas really is here. And the clerk said, what? And she said, oh, my pastor loves those cups because it reminds him of Christmas. And he asked, well, what church do you go to? And she started talking about our church and all the things that we do here. And he looked interested, so she invited him to come the next week. Later, she told her daughter, I'm 84 years old. I've never talked about religion in my life. This is the first evangelism I've ever done. It's fun. (laughs) Yes, it is fun. It should be fun for everyone. 
It is simply a matter of making relationships. And then, when appropriate, pointing to Jesus out of the ordinary stuff of life. And anything can open up a conversation about Jesus if we're looking for it, even a Starbucks cup. We serve. We form relationships. We show Jesus out of the stuff of our lives. And then last, we leave the rest up to God. It is not our job to convert anybody. It is God's. You do not have to close the deal. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And a witness in a court of law is simply someone who says, here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. That's all you have to do. Be a witness. And the problem is, sometimes we think we have to be judge, jury, and prosecution all rolled up into one. Our job is simply to be witnesses. Ask questions, tell stories. Ask questions, tell stories. That's what Jesus did. Ask questions, tell stories. You look tired. Are you okay? How'd that meeting go? I heard you didn't get the promotion. How are you feeling about that? I didn't get a promotion once. Can I tell you a story about how knowing Jesus helped me with that? We serve. We build relationships. Help people find Jesus out of the stuff of their lives. And leave the rest up to God. Let me give you a challenge. For the next 30 days, I'd encourage you to just pray every day. Lord, who do you want me to love today? And then pray, Lord, help me see the moments where I can ask questions and tell stories about you. Maybe you want to go to one of those evangelism classes we have every Sunday and Wednesday for the next two weeks, one hour, to help you know how to do this better. And then as you are going, serve people, build relationships, introduce them to Jesus out of the stuff of their lives, and let God do his work. For those of us who are going to the workday on August 13th, this is how we talk about Jesus. As we're there working side by side with people from Stevenson, some may ask, why are you doing this? Let's have an answer, an authentic, natural answer that points to Jesus. Others may never ask. That's okay. It is simply our job to be there to serve them and enjoy hanging out with them. And then if out of the stuff of ordinary conversation, Jesus comes up or there's an opportunity to say, I'll pray for you. Great. But if all you talk about is the Mariners, that's great, too, because it's building relationships. And that's what God asks us to do. A couple of months ago, I was coming home from a meeting in Los Angeles. And in spite of having heard countless sermons about people who get on airplanes and convert the person sitting next to them, I was reading my book. The woman sitting next to me was also reading her book, and we eventually started a conversation. I asked her some questions about herself, her life, what, what her life was like. And then I asked, well, what's your book about? And she just lit up. She got really excited, and she said, it's about starting a revolution in America. It's about serving the poor and stopping wars and taking care of the environment and empowering the people. And she was really energized by this political book. And in fact, the word militant came to mind. In fact, I bet I could tell you her zip code in Seattle. There are some really good coffee shops on that street. And eventually she asked me, what are you reading? <laughs> My book was called The Cross of Christ. She just couldn't see the title. So after listening to her talk about her book and starting a revolution and serving the poor and empowering the people and taking care of the environment and all of that, I lifted up my book called The Cross of Christ and I said, I'm reading about the same thing. 
Now, it's at this point in the conversation, in the, in the story, according to all the sermons I've heard on evangelism, that I'm supposed to tell you a moving tale about how she said, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Tell me more. And then I explained to her how she's separated from God through sin and Jesus is the bridge that holds them together. And then she prays the sinner's prayer. And then with tears in her eyes, she says, what's to prevent me from being baptized? And I say nothing. And I dip my hand into my glass of water and I sprinkle some on her face. Because I'm a Presbyterian, and if there's going to be any baptizing, it's going to be sprinkling, not dunking. And then I conclude the story by saying, and now that woman is a missionary in outer Mongolia and has brought thousands to Christ and once saved a puppy from a flood. That's the story I'm supposed to tell you. But I can't if I want to keep the Ninth Commandment. After I showed her my book called The Cross of Christ, she said, oh, enjoy the book. And she went back to her book. And that was the last conversation we had. I could not even say goodbye to her as we left the plane. She was not interested. Now, I could feel like an evangelism failure. You know, or maybe I should have been more aggressive, you know, said something like, well, have you ever considered how Jesus could save this miserable planet, let alone your shrunken soul? (laughs) Or I can believe what the Bible tells me. I did my part. I tried to serve her. I began a relationship. I pointed to Jesus out of the stuff of life. I asked some questions. I started to tell a story and I let God do the rest. I was a witness I pointed to Jesus. That's all he asked me to do. And if in God's timing, this was not the moment for her to get to know him. Well, then you know what? God probably knows how this deal should go down better than I do. Maybe I planted a seed in her mind. Maybe she'll get curious about and do some research about how Jesus could possibly possibly launch a revolution where people started caring for the poor and taking care of the planet and were more peaceful. And you know what? Maybe a middle-aged Bellevue Presbyterian pastor is not the right person to introduce her to Christ. Maybe one of her friends is. I just know I did my part. I pointed to Jesus, and that's all he asks. It is not our job to convert anyone. It's simply our job to serve them, build relationships with them, and then, when appropriate, help them see Jesus out of the stuff of life. And some will respond right then and there, and some will respond later, and some may never want him, but at least they've heard. You know, you look at these great students in the service today, and you see their faith, and you hear their stories, and you realize at some point somebody told them about Jesus. Maybe it was their parents. Maybe it was one of you in Sunday school or the youth group. Maybe it was a friend, but somebody told them. And there are a lot of people out there who need to know how deeply loved by their creator they are and about the adventure that he calls them into. And to quote the Ethiopian in this story, how will they know? How will they know? How will they know? Unless someone tells them. Isaiah says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So let's go out there and have some really good looking feet.
and bring good news to a world that is literally dying to hear it. Lord, we thank you that from east to west, you call a people to yourself. And Lord, we thank you that you don't do that with a megaphone or right in the sky, but you give us the privilege of being part of that calling process. Lord, help us to respond to that great adventure, and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.